You guys can grab your Bibles if you have them and open them up to Acts chapter 4. Um, we sort of have a guest speaker today, but we're going to stop calling him a guest speaker. <laughs> um, Pastor Bill Meyer is with us with his wife, Christine Meyer. Uh, they are the parents of Rebecca Carlson, who just had another baby last week, which we celebrated. Uh, I want to talk to you about this for a moment. Um, Pastor Bill is stepping down. He's in the process of stepping down from his role as the lead pastor of Alive Again Alliance Church, which is one of our partner churches. We're a part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, uh, as many of you know. And so they, they've been in Tom's River. Uh, pastor Bill and Christine have planted two churches. They've been serving uh, a, those churches for over 30 years now. Pastor Bill has been in that role for over 30 years now. They are stepping down, and they're transitioning out, and they're going to be joining us here at True Life Church. They're going to be part of our community here. Yeah, it's something to celebrate. Unless you don't like them, you don't have to clap. That's okay. <laughs> um, Bill and Christine are going to be here, part of our community, while Pastor Bill continues to serve as a hospice chaplain uh, and also as a, in a chaplain role with our denomination, our district. Um, he also oversees some of the educational processes. He's, he's co coaching Frank Martinez and Justin Garden through their educational processes as they work towards uh, ordination. Um, but he is also wants to make himself available to us uh, in an unofficial capacity right now uh, in, in the areas of pastoral counseling and spiritual direction, uh, meeting with couples, meeting with individuals. Uh, he might be helping with some groups on peacemaking or on grief. Um, and, and so that's going to be this next season, the rest of this year. He's just going to make himself available, again, in an unofficial capacity. In 2024, we're going to pray about whether that turns into something more formal and, and it becomes a more official capacity. Um, but uh, for now, you can expect to see Bill and Christine around True Life a lot more often. And uh, today is the first day that he is preaching as uh, part of True Life Church. So, um, yeah. And again, if you want to meet with him, again, as couples, premarital counseling, uh, a spiritual direction, that's what he uh, specializes in. Um, so anyway, at that, at that, you have your Bibles? You ready? We're going to continue our series that we've been in. Pastor Bill, come on up here. Thank you for serving our church today. Give it up, Professor Bill, one more time. Part of the uh, handicaps of uh, uh, many years of life experience. <laughs> too much in, too much on the hard drive is, is what how I say it. So anyway, um, I'm so thankful to be here, and uh, you know I will share with you that Chris and I have been dreaming about what what it could look like um, for me in a in a uh, a new season in my life to be part of this church. Um, I really love what God is doing here. I love the vision of, of, uh, of this church, uh, of, of true life. Christine and, also, and I also are lifelong, not lifelong, but in terms of our, mar our, terms of our married life, uh, lifelong residents of Bricktown, New Jersey. My kids graduated from this high school, um, so there's a lot of reasons um, why, why this is a good place for, for us to be for the next season that God has for Christine and I in our lives. So thank you for, uh, for welcoming me, and, and I do want to be here to serve in, in any way that God um, lays on, on your heart for, to, to use me. 
Well, we're looking at Acts chapter 4, and we're going to be focusing particularly on uh, verse 23 and 31 in just a minute. But um, I just want to kind of uh, let you know, especially if you're uh, not a regular here at the church, to kind of know where we're fitting in. Uh, we're in a series at this time that's entitled Powerful Prayers for weak people. And we're looking at some of the prayers of the Bible and what people who have been in challenging situations and challenging circumstances have asked the Lord to, to do, to act on their behalf. And uh, last week I really appreciated Chris's message, Pastor Chris's message. He spoke on the prayer, Lord help me to die to pride. And I know that the Lord spoke to uh, many of our hearts uh, through that message. There was a great response of people who came forward to receive prayer and to just let the Lord um, speak into their hearts and to encourage them to, uh, to just have another way of, of living with the Lord that doesn't involve uh, just giving, giving uh, way to pride. This week, I have the opportunity to speak on the prayer, Lord, make me bold. Lord, give me spiritual boldness. And for me, this is a very personal prayer. Uh, I began, uh, I want to start this message by telling you a story. And uh, when I was a kid, we spent our summers in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, just up the road here a little bit. And uh, there was a program in, uh, at Ocean Grove, a youth program. Uh, they had a, a youth group every day, every day during the summer. And after the youth group, they would have, a, they would have the youth drama program. And uh, they would, you know, train the choir to sing in the Ocean Grove Auditorium. Uh, they would also uh, have us do, you know, plays and stuff like that. And uh, so um, one of the years, they would do, usually do two summers, two plays each summer. One summer they did the play The Wizard of Oz. I think we all know The Wizard of Oz, right? It's one of the iconic uh, films of our culture. And I auditioned and I got the part of the cowardly lion. Now that, that's not me in the part, as you probably can tell. I, I was looking through my old pictures to say, do I have any pictures of me playing the cowardly lion? But a lot of those have thankfully been burned and they will not make, uh, they will not make, they will not be seen in public. Um, and uh, I, I could, I, I, that part is still resonates with me. I could probably still sing the song for you if I were king of the forest, if you asked me to sing that song. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. But what was kind of significant about that role for me is it was not a hard one for me to play because there was something about my real character that lived out the cowardly lion. In fact, I would say that many of the decisions that I made as a kid and many of the choices that I made as I grew into adulthood were motivated by my inward cowardly lion, by fear. And uh, fear is a normal part of our lives. It's a, it's a biological mechanism that is, uh, that is built into us. Uh, it's what kicks in when adrenaline starts to flow in our lives. And so fear in itself is not a sin. And I don't want to communicate that. But the way that we respond to sin is what makes all the difference. There's some predictable behaviors that human beings engage in in response to fear. The first is uh, the response of flight. I think we have a slide with those, maybe not. The first is a response to flight, uh, is the response of fight. And uh, one writer says that anger is fear in disguise. Uh, I, I, if you're a person who's prone to anger, 
one of the things that you might want to ask yourselves when you feel that angry, you know, heat rising up inside of you is, what am I threatened by? What is the threat that's causing me to act this way? Uh, another response is flight, to just run away. Uh, that's the response of, you know, the, the bunnies uh, out, in the, out in the garden when they see, they see the farmer come along is to just is to run away, and if they can't run away, that's what's the next thing that they do, is they freeze. Maybe if I freeze, people won't see me, people won't notice me. Uh, and these are all things that not just animals do, but human beings do as well. And then the fourth, the, fourth, um, the fourth response, and I think this is one that is more normal amongst human beings than it is in, in the animal kingdom, is the response to fawn. Fawn, to people please. These are the normal biological responses to fear. And I can see in myself all of these responses, but a few of, uh, but a few of these are my go-to response. I think I'm, ex uh, I'm, I think I'm especially prone to flight. You know, if a situation gets too uncomfortable for me, what do I want to do? I, I want to leave, you know? Uh, so uh, sometimes I do what's called the Irish goodbye at a party. You know what that is? That's when you just kind of fade away. You don't say goodbye to anybody because, you know, eh, it's getting the, maybe there's an uncomfortable conversation that's happening or the people around me are making me uncomfortable. So what do I do? I just want to leave. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just confessing to you today. This is a little bit of a confessional sermon. Uh, another one of the responses, and I think this is really more of the, the go-to instinctive response that I have that um, really has, for me, been a hindrance in my life. Uh, many times throughout my ministry life, even throughout my marriage, through my interaction with other people, and it's that res fourth response, the response to fawn or to, to try to please people, to try to figure out what's the right thing to do in this situation, what's the right way to fit in, what's the right way to, uh, to uh, have people like me. Uh, and um, that's just how God has, uh, that's not how God has made me, but this is the way that I really think actually sin has manifested itself in my own life is in these two ways of responding to fear. Uh, and, and God knows that fear is something that all of us human beings struggle with. In fact, the command, he commands his people to not be afraid or to fear not hundreds of times in the Bible. Some writers have counted 365 times that this command to fear not or some derivative of that command appears in scripture. Uh, and uh, I don't know whether that's true or not. I read some commentaries this week that kind of debated and discussed whether that was true and there was disagreement. But at any rate, it's actually one of the most repeated commands in scripture, fear not. Why is that so? Because God knows that it's a human thing to be afraid. It's what happens when we are threatened in some way or we are in an unknown situation. And uh, so I want to spend a couple of minutes thinking about fear with you and how the prayer, God make me spiritually bold, is a response to fear. And the first thing that I would uh, tell you, and this is what the scripture says, so I'm not just uh, saying this off the top of my head, the scripture tells us that fear is not of the Lord. Now, I don't think that God is saying that that normal biological response to threat is a, is a sin. 
and it's not of God. What I think that the Lord is saying is that when we use these responses in a way that is detrimental to our walk with him, that we use, it, that we use these responses in a way that keep us from moving into what God has for us, that that is not of God. Paul reminds Timothy, he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And uh, one of the things that's true is that fear can sometimes, when we, use, when, it, when we respond to it in a way that is unhealthy, fear can be a trap that causes us to be hindered in our life. It causes us to taking the steps that we need to take. It causes us from making the choices that we need to make. It causes us to step out into circumstances that can really bear fruit in our lives. That's, so fear can be a trap in our lives. In fact, um, as I was working through this issue of fear in my own life, uh, a scripture in the book of Proverbs just jumped out at me one day. And it is the scripture that says, the fear of man lays a snare. The fear of man lays a snare. That's in Proverbs chapter, uh, chapter 4, I think. Maybe I might be wrong about that. The fear of man lays a snare. But anyway, that particular passage of scripture uh, has resonated with me over and over and over and over and over again when I have been in a situation, when I've been in a circumstance, and I have been feeling myself starting to do what I know I'm not supposed to do uh, because this is going to hinder the work of God. You know, I've thought about, I, I've, I've been maybe uh, thinking about, well, maybe I'm not going to confront this situation that I know that I should confront. Or maybe I'm going to try to figure out um, in my elder board meetings, you know, what the elders uh, really want us to do, which I know is really not what God wants us to do because, uh, I've been, because the Lord has told us in Scripture what he wants us to do in this particular situation. And I'm just going to try to figure a way to, you know, to, to massage the issue a little bit, you know, to please people a little bit. Uh, it can be a trap, and I've known that. And so as I've been tempted in those situations, this passage of Scripture has resonated with me time and time again. The fear of man lays a snare. And the fear of man shows up in our lives so often as people-pleasing. And I could spend a lot of time this morning tell you, telling you even about my, my, my uh, teenage years as a Christian, uh, growing up in a Christian home, where sometimes people-pleasing caused me to make choices that were really not the, the right choices because I wanted people to like me. I wanted to be part of the group. I wanted to please people. And even further on in my, my adulthood, uh, those things came around uh, over and over and over again. And so when I look back at my life, I have some regret about decisions that I made or actions that I took that were motivated by this fear of man to avoid the displeasure of people, particularly those people who were very big in my life, whether they were parents or whether they were people of authority in my life or friends in my life. Those big people, sometimes I would make choices in my life that were not the right choices out of the desire to please, out of fear of man. And so, uh, so I've spent a lot of my life thinking through what is the solution to fear? I used to beat myself up about that, thinking that what I really needed, having this cowardly lion uh, persona, uh, is more courage. If I could be like the cowardly lion and just maybe get a, uh, get, a, get a testimonial of how courageous I was, that would 
fix the problem. I would be okay. And uh, I remember walking one day with my, my friend, uh, his name is Russ, um, and we were out in the woods hiking. I can't remember what we were doing. And Russ uh, did something in that hike that was super risky. And I looked at it and I said, how can you do that? Like, you take all these terrible risks. Aren't you afraid? And he said, of course I'm afraid. He said, but courage does not mean that you're not afraid. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. And so I thought, well, that's the solution. That's the solution to fear, is to be afraid, but to muster up enough courage so that even though I'm afraid, I'm going to do it anyway. However, spiritually human-produced courage has its own spiritual dangers. And so I don't really believe that is fully the solution. Uh, some people who appear to be courageous are actually adrenaline addicts. I think that was the case in my, friend's, in my, in my, uh, in my friend Russ's life. Sometimes courage can produce pride. Sometimes a person seeking to be courageous is actually brash, full-hearted, even reckless. Sometimes a courageous person can be arrogant and overconfident in themselves. Eventually I come to understand that the real solution to fear is not working up enough courage, not Bill Meyer produced courage, not human produced courage, but to step into a gift that comes to us through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is the gift of boldness. Boldness is spiritual confidence. In fact, that's what the word means. It means actually at its very root, confidence in speech, but it, it uh, is used in many other portions of scripture. In fact, it's translated sometimes, the word that's translated boldness is sometimes translated as confidence. It is spiritual confidence and assurance in the face of danger, difficulty, and threat. That's what spiritual boldness is. Spiritual boldness is spiritual confidence and assurance in the face of danger, difficulty, threat, even the unknown. And uh, so I want to take some time with you to look uh, for the rest of our time together at Acts chapter 4, because I think that Acts chapter 4 is one of the passages of Scripture that really portrays a spiritual boldness and how we move into this gift of God, of spiritual boldness. So let's take a look at it. I'm not going to read through the passage today uh, for the sake of time, but I'm, I am going to kind of summarize uh, where it goes. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 4 on your own to just make sure that I'm t telling the truth, that would be, that would be fine. Um, the section that we're looking at takes place after the healing of the lame man at the door of the temple. You remember that story if you've been in church at any time? Peter and John, after the resurrection, were going into the temple for the time of prayer as they, as they did every day. Now, that's another whole sermon in itself about, you know, about the life of prayer, but they went into the temple every day to pray. And as they were going to the temple, a layman approached them and asked, uh, asked them for money, which was the normal, the, mo the normal thing that happened outside of the temple. And Peter looked at him, looked at this beggar, and said to him, silver and gold have I done, None, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And a great healing miracle took place. And it was such a disruptive miracle, it was such a public miracle that it caused the religious authorities to get upset. And uh, one significant part of the story that it's often missed is that the religious authorities were the very same 
legal authorities and legal counsel that just a few months ago had taken the Lord Jesus and stood him, stood him before them and falsely accused him and put him to death. And so this same council of people took Peter, took John, and said, give us an account of why you're doing this. And they told them, they gave testimony to the risen, the crucifixion and the risen, uh, the risen life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the conclusion at the end of the council was them to forbid them to talk any longer about, the name, about Jesus uh, at the threat of death. Imprisonment and death would meet them if they continued to speak about the Lord Jesus. And so what was their response? Well, their response, and I love this, the Bible tells us that they went to their friends. That's one of the interpretations. I love that interpretation. Uh, some passages of scripture uh, interpreted disciples, some companions, but the real meaning of the word is their friends. You see, the community of believers had become friends. That's why, for those of you who are listening online, I do want to give you a little plug and a little uh, affirmation here, brother, is that it's good to be back in the community with your friends. Like, you can't have friendships, you know, out there. You have to be together. Um, but that was uh, one of the things that happened, is that they came to their friends, and they told, them what was, they told them what the council said. They said to their friends, hey, listen, the council said that if we keep proclaiming the name of Jesus, if we keep being witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ, we could be thrown into prison, and we could even die. And the people who are telling us this, like, they're not kidding. These are the same people that put Jesus to death. And so what did the Christians do? What did their friends do? What did the disciples do? Uh, you know, they did not freeze. They did not uh, run away. Uh, although I do think they probably were experiencing some fear. Anytime we are threatened with death, threatened with imprisonment, threatened with losing our position or losing maybe our employment or whatever it is. There's some fear that is contained in that. Of course, that's the natural response. But what they did is they asked God for the gift of boldness. That was their response. They asked God for this gift of boldness. And let's just take a couple of looks at some of the particular verses that are in this section. And, uh, and one of the points that I'd like to make here, and I think this is really, really important, is that spiritual boldness is given in response to prayer. Spiritual boldness is given in response to prayer. Verse 24 of this passage says, when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. They prayed. Now, one of the bad things about being in church with your, your family, my, my, uh, my wife and, and now my daughter and son-in-law and my grandkids and stuff like that, is that they can check me, check me when I'm telling the truth and when I'm not telling the truth. So I will tell the truth and say that that is often not my first response to fear. That is not often my first response to, to, uh, to a threat. But the word of God tells me and reminds me that my life would be a lot easier if it were. Uh, so their first response was to pray. They heard this, and rather than fretting, rather than fleeing, rather than running away, rather than figuring out how they could accommodate themselves to the legal authorities, they prayed. 
Prayer is an acknowledgement of our utter dependency on God. It's what we do instead of that natural response of worry, anxiety, or stealing ourselves by drumming up our courage. So when you are threatened, when you have something in your life that is causing you to, to have fear, what is your response? What is my natural response? It is these biological responses, but the spiritual response is to pray, to go to God, and to say, Lord, this is what is happening in my life circumstance. This is what is happening in my community. This is what is happening in my nation. This is what is happening in my church. So spiritual boldness is given in answer to prayer, first of all. And spiritual boldness is God-confidence rather than self-confidence. That's another point that's made in this passage of Scripture. I think that this is the biggest difference between human worked-up courage and spiritual boldness. Boldness grows out of our understanding of God. Human worked-up courage grows out of confidence in our own ability to handle the circumstances or a hope that we can handle the circumstances. And so the disciples' prayer goes to God and is, is based on a couple things, that, things about God that are outlined in this, in this scripture. The first is that their prayer is based on who God is. Look what it says. It says they went to God and they began by praying, God who made heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. One of the passages of scripture says sovereign God, sovereign God who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in it. And so the God that we serve is a God who is sovereign. In other words, he knows the end from the beginning. There's nothing that comes into our life without passing first across his desk, even the most horrible and horrendous things. I don't believe that those are necessarily what God wants in his perfect will, but they pass into our lives because God says, yes, I can use this in this individual's life or in this church's life or in the, or in the people that I'm trying to uh, have grow into me. And so uh, God is sovereign, but not as only God sovereign. He's the, he made this whole thing. Th this whole world is God's world. So uh, he's in control of it. He made it. And, uh, and so we have this awesome, powerful God who we serve. And so our first response when we are under threat is to pray and to remind ourselves of who God is, who God is. And then secondly, we need to remind ourselves of what God has done. And this is what happens in this passage of scripture, what God has done. The uh, part of this prayer is the church uh, reading out Psalm number two. Uh, they use scripture in their prayer. And, and they said, uh, they read these words, God, who the, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by his Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. And uh, this psalm, Psalm number two, has its fulfillment in the life of David. Uh, David was, was surrounded by the armies of the nations, uh, but yet the Lord promised him uh, deliverance. And David was delivered. And so they remind themselves of their own history as the people of Israel. And we need to be reminding ourselves when we're beset with fear of our own history and what God has done in our lives and what God has done in, in, through, for his people over the thousands of years that he has been our God. So what God has done, but not only what God has done, what God has promised. And so uh, another thing that's significant about Psalm 2 is that it has a fulfillment in life in the life of David, but it also has a fulfillment in the messianic uh, promise of Jesus Christ. And so uh, 
Uh, so there was a fulfillment in David, but also they knew that that fulfillment had been not fully realized, but there was going to be a fulfillment in the Messiah, Jesus, and so they could rely in the fact that God was still in control in the circumstances that, they were, that was around them, and that he had promised that Jesus' kingdom would be established and would be threatened, but that God would look at those threats, and the scripture, if you read the whole psalm, says God would laugh at that, those threats. That's what God does to threats. He laughs at them. Think about that. So what God, who God is, what God has done, what he's promised. And, and I'd like to ask you, what are the promises of God that come to your mind as you are faced with threats? What are the promises? Uh, one of the things that I'm very privileged and blessed with is I was raised in a Christian home, and part of my Christian upbringing was to memorize lots of scripture. And so there's many verses that just naturally pop into my mind when I'm under threat. And I would say that if you're a newer believer, uh, the reason to get into the word, the reason to go to Bible studies, the reason to really understand the word and even to practice maybe scripture memory is so promises of God from scripture are there at your disposal when you are under threat. So spiritual boldness is confidence in God rather than self-confidence, confident in who he's done and who he is, confident in what he's done, confident in what he's promised. And then spiritual boldness is needed at the life-altering intersections of our life. And Pastor Chris, I am being mindful of the time. Uh, what's that? Okay. And uh, so this was an intersection in the disciples' lives that they were faced with. An intersection in our spiritual life is a moment where we are, have to make one choice or another, and that choice is going to affect the ongoing trajectory of our lives. And this was one of those moments in the disciples' lives. The intersection was this. They could either obey the spiritual authorities and say, yeah, we're going to shut up because we value our lives more than our witness and more than our testimony. Or they could say, we really know our lives are in the hands of God. We trust God. And so we're going to be faithful to what, God, what Jesus commanded us to do, which was to be his witnesses. A little aside about the word witnesses is that it's the actual Greek word martyria, which is where we get the word martyr from. And so when Jesus said to be my witnesses, he was actually saying, be my martyrs. Be willing to lay down your life for the testimony of the fact that I am the Lord Jesus, that I have risen from the dead. And so there's some, some intersections that face us as believers that we need to... We need to uh, ask God for spiritual boldness. And a, I have a couple of thoughts about that. I'll run through them quickly. The first is we need spiritual boldness when the world is trying to silence our witness. We absolutely live in a world where it is becoming almost, uh, it is becoming more and more and more difficult to speak the name of Jesus in the public square. It's okay to do it in your churches. It's okay to do it in your family. But bring it out into the streets, that is a problem. Or bring it out into your personal relationships uh, at the dinner table with people who may not know Jesus. You know, you're offending me, right? So there's this pressure to stop speaking the name of Jesus. Now, that's another whole passage, another whole message that we could do, give because a lot of times 
Uh, we are opposed in our witness not because of the message, but because of the messengers, because we're actually kind of jerks when we, when we communicate the gospel, right? Let's all admit that. Uh, but, um, but nevertheless, the spirit of this age is to silence our witness. And so we need to pray for spiritual boldness. We need spiritual boldness when we're prone to worry rather than pray. Hebrews chapter 4, 16 says this. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in this time of need. The Lord has given us the privilege of coming boldly with our requests to God. And so that bold response of bringing to God the needs that we have, the concerns that we have, the fears that we have. We need to have spiritual boldness when we're suffering, especially through persecution. And uh, I'm not going to take time to expand on each one of these, um, but uh, I know the Spirit of God can, can do that for you. Um, uh, we need to have spiritual boldness when God has asked us to take faith-filled risks. You know, my wife, Christine, and I, as people who came down many, many years ago with just our kids, not a job, nothing else, to plant a church in Ocean County before Ocean County was like an exploding area, uh, is because God had told us to take a faith-filled risk. Uh, my, one of my mentors and one of Pastor Chris's mentors, John Soper, has coined this phrase to say that one of the things that God tells us to do as churches and as leaders and as Christians is to take faith-filled risks. Not foolish risks, faith-filled risks. And God asks us to do that, uh, and when he does, we need to ask for spiritual boldness to step into that risk that God has asked us to take. Now, this is one that's very interesting, is we need spiritual boldness when we have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 John chapter 4, 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. What's he talking about? He's talking about the fact that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And as a Christian... It is our privilege to be in that day with confidence and boldness, knowing that although we are appearing before the throne of God, the judgment seat of Christ, as sinners, nevertheless, we are appearing before the throne of God as forgiven sinners. And when Jesus, when God looks at us, he does not see us in our brokenness, in our sin, he sees Jesus and the robes of righteousness that he's placed upon us. Now, that's what it, boy, that's what it means to be a Christian. Have you, have you experienced that for yourself? I have to ask that. I have to ask you this morning, have you experienced that for yourself? If you were to die today, do you know that you would be able to boldly stand before the Lord? And yes, you'd probably have fear and know that huh, I'm a wicked sinner. I think that my sin is most clearly evident to me at the times when God is most manifesting himself. So yes, yeah, I'm going to know I'm a sinner, but the confidence I have is not in myself and my unrighteousness. It's in Jesus so that I can boldly stand before that judgment seat. God can give that to you by turning your heart and your life over to him. And if you haven't done that today, I know that Pastor Chris would want me to let us all know that you could speak to him, you could speak to myself, you could speak to any of the leaders here in this church, and they would be happy to help you understand how to have that forgiveness of Jesus, forgiveness of your sins, 
so that you can boldly stand in the day of judgment. And then finally, spiritual boldness is given to us through the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says in verse 32, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And this is something that is very important for us to understand about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not about getting holy goosebumps, although sometimes that happens, and praise the Lord. Uh, it is not about experiencing, it is not just about experiencing gifts or signs and wonders, but the Lord does give that in response to his fullness, and praise the Lord for that. Um, these are all things that the Spirit does produce in us. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is mainly the way in which the living God, in the person of Jesus Christ, lives his life in us and through us. That's what the fullness of the Holy Spirit is. That's why in the Alliance we have the fourfold gospel, Christ our Savior, Christ our Healer, Christ our Coming King, because it's not something that we do, it's something that Jesus does in us by living his risen life in us. And so here's the truth. The truth is that I cannot face the opposition of my friends, my family, my community. I can't. But Christ in me can. I cannot stop fretting and worrying and release my fear to God in prayer. I can't. But Christ in me can. I can't stand in the face of death unafraid. I can't. But Christ in me can. And he can for me. He can for us. He can for you through the beautiful, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just skip down to the conclusion here. A brother in the back who's showing the slides. Uh, and I just want to ask, what can I do right now? If you're in a place of fear, or you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm not really walking out that way. I really am sometimes crippled by the fear of man. Sometimes anger gets a hold of me because I'm really afraid. Whatever those things are for you, what can you do? Well, the first thing I would encourage you to do is to ask God to reveal to you how you are struggling with fear. Ask God to show it to you. Ask God to bring up in you the things that you're afraid of. Do, uh, you do a, a life examine, uh, an examine of your day, and say, what are the times during my day in which, like, I really lost it or I really was crippled because of the fearful things in my life? What is the intersection in your life that you are facing right now? Ask God to show that to you. Ask God to bring that into focus. And then I want to encourage you to confess it to God and confess it to a brother or sister in Christ and let them know, hey, I'm struggling with this fear. Will you pray for me? And then the other thing that we should do right now is we should ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit so you can be filled with boldness to face the situation that comes through Christ in you. And, and I'd like to close right now by praying that for us. Uh, I, I'm not going to have an altar call, I don't think, Pastor Chris. I just want to pray for all of us. And maybe I'm going to ask us to stand. Would you all stand right now? And Pastor Chris already asked us to put our hands out in front of us, but I'm going to ask us to do it again. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come and to minister to you wherever you are, the circumstances that you are. And I just pray, Father of God, Holy Spirit, the one who knows the deepest hidden things of our heart, would you bring to my mind and to our mind 
And to the one who is praying to right now, their mind, that intersection of their life, that fearful thing in their life, that Lord is hindering them, is hampering them, that they are responding to not in a great way. That may be even crippling their lives. Lord, bring it to their, bring it to their mind. Lord, if it's buried away, bring it to the surface right now, God. And Lord, we confess it to you. We tell you, Lord, that, Lord, this thing, this decision, this circumstances, Lord, I, it's beyond me. But I trust you, God. I know who you are, God. I know that you love me, God. I know that you are able, God. I know that you are perfect, God. I know that you are good, God. I know all these things to be true. And then, Spirit of God, please fill me now. Fill us now. Fill us now with the beautiful, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. So that, Lord, I receive the gift of boldness, the, re the gift of being confident in my circumstances, being confident in the decisions, being confident in the intersections of my life, being confident even before the judgment seat of Christ, if that's the fear, Lord, that you revealed to me that I'm not ready. Oh, Lord. Oh, Father God. Oh, Spirit of God, would you do that in us today? We ask all of these things in the beautiful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.